It's the Jason Taylor All-In for Literacy Virtual Poker Championship, Volume 6, hosted by Faded Spade. Wednesday, October 21st, 2020 at 6.30 p.m. Play alongside Dolphins Legends, TV and radio personalities, and the Fanatics. Entry into the qualifier tournaments is a $99 donation to the Jason Taylor Foundation. But you can enter to win a free seat in the tourney simply by subscribing to the Fanatics Network on YouTube and DMing us a screenshot of you doing so. What's more, if you finish higher than all five Fanatics, you will also win this rad mini helmet actually signed by Jason Taylor himself. So what are you waiting for? Go subscribe to us on YouTube and let us know so everyone can go all in on literacy, a word we definitely didn't misspell. Welcome to the Fanatics Miami Dolphins podcast, hosted by yours truly, Savak. And of course, I am joined by my co-hosts, Brian Byrne and Jason Sarney. But sorry, fellas, today is not about y'all because we are joined by a very special guest, Miami Dolphins quarterback from 2000 through 2004, a stint that featured three seasons of 10 or more wins, two of which were 11 and five seasons, two postseason appearances, including the last playoff victory by a Dolphins quarterback, now currently the owner and operator of the Sports Academy at Brookwood Camps and the Primetime Sports Camps, along with his brother, Scott. It is my distinct pleasure to welcome Jay Fiedler. How you doing, Jay? Savag, I'm doing great. Thanks. That was a great introduction. I appreciate that. <laughs> Absolutely. We appreciate you being here. And I got to say, it, it, it touches me personally because you, you were the starting quarterback during the era when I really first started watching. So I'm very personally invested. But before we dive into the past or the future, I'd like to touch on the present. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about these camps you're running? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, it was actually a family business that, that, that I got into after I retired. My dad has always been, uh, he, he was a uh, high school basketball coach. He coached, uh, you know, guys like Anthony Mason and uh, uh, Norm Roberts. Uh, he was kind of a legendary uh, uh, coach in New York City uh, basketball circles. Uh, and in the summertime, he owned uh, a summer camp business. And uh, uh, after I retired, my brother was running the, the, the business with my dad. And uh, uh, my dad was kind of getting up there in years and, and looking to move on. And uh, it opened up the opportunity for me to get involved. And uh, when I started running Brooklyn camps with my brother, Scott, uh, uh, we decided to kind of niche ourselves in, in the industry. And uh, we turned our traditional summer camp into kind of a hybrid between a traditional camp and, and a sports camp. Uh, so with our connections, my connections, obviously in, in the football world and, uh, and some other connections in, in sports broadcasting and, and other sports, my brother had great connections in basketball and uh, a close connection to, to Leo Mazzoni and, uh, and uh, baseball, you know, we were able to assemble a, a tremendous staff of instructors that come up and, uh, and work with our campers every summer and uh, offer great instruction in an atmosphere where kids could just go out and have fun uh, in a great summer uh, ex experience. And then, uh, you know, the primetime camps that, that you talked about as well as a football training business uh, that I have that uh, I've been running uh, uh, football camps pretty much since uh, probably the year before I got down to Miami. 
Uh, when we first got it going on, uh, the primetime camps were, were filled with Miami Dolphin players that uh, I'd fly up to New York and uh, spend the weekend up at Brookwood, and, and we'd have great weekends up there. I ran some camps down in Florida as well uh, under the primetime uh, banner. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've been doing that training uh, kids from ages six, seven, all the way up to, to professional level uh, uh, players for a long time. And, uh, uh, you know, that's been a fun business as well. Very cool. So, Jay, before before we start, we like to get our listeners involved. So we have a poll that we that we ran and uh, it is what is your favorite Jay Fiedler game? Um, First option was the Oakland Raiders post 9-11 game. The second option was the Colts playoff victory. The third one was the Bronco last second. I think it was like a 53-yard field goal on Sunday night football. And then other, we'll come back to it at the end, but do you, out of those games, did one of those stand out as, as one of your favorite memories? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, the, all of them are great memories, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, obviously the one that, uh, or really the two that, that, that people, you know, uh, that, that stands out in people's minds, uh, uh, you know, obviously the Oakland one. Uh, was memorialized with the with the cover of Sports Illustrated, and uh, you see it in the background over there. Uh, mm-hmm. And you know that being the the first game back from 9/11, you know had an extra special uh, connotation and and what happened. You know, obviously what happened in the game and and how the game finished. Uh, you know, it was special, but you know everything that led up to that as well was uh, was certainly a memorable uh, experience for me. Uh, you know, being from the New York area, knowing people, uh, you know, that were affected uh, personally, uh, you know, with 9-11 and, and uh, you know, being able to give uh, give the country kind of a, a, a return to normalcy, uh, you know, for, for, for a weekend at least, uh, you know, it was, it was a great experience. And then obviously the, uh, the playoff game, which I, I still can't believe is, is the last playoff victory uh, that the Dolphins have had. You know, hopefully we hopefully we could change that one soon. But uh, you know, that was another great victory, a comeback victory at the end, uh, uh, two minute drive to to tie the game up uh, at the end of regulation, and then uh, you know Lamar Smith just you know throwing us on his back, uh, uh, you know throughout much of the game, and 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 the big overtime run to seal the victory was uh, tremendous. I think we all say that begrudgingly that that was our last victory. I it was my first ever Miami Dolphin playoff game. I'll, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget after he ran it in. That whole stadium was like bouncing. It was, it was great. What an atmosphere amazing. that was, wasn't it? It was insane. Um, all right, so um, <clears throat> back into the the normal questions here. Uh, so, Jay, you came out of Dartmouth after the 94 season, and you had a brief stint with Philly in 95, uh, but didn't see the field. Uh, you didn't catch on with another NFL team until 98 with Minnesota. Uh, I personally love an underdog, you know, perseverance story. What kept you going those three years to keep you trying for your NFL dream? Well, you know, it wasn't it wasn't easy. You know, obviously, I, I uh, started out in Philly. I was backup quarterback for two years, 94, 95, made the team as, as an undrafted free agent. Uh, I chose Philly uh, over a few different options, uh, you know, mainly because, you know, number one, uh, you know, the coach uh, was, was Rich Cotite at the time. Uh, 
you know, he was pretty sincere in, in uh, you know, letting me know that I was going to get a fair shot to, to compete for a roster spot. Uh, and, you know, the competition there was, uh, you know, I, I thought winnable. So, uh, you know, decided to go to Philadelphia and, uh, you know, spent two years there, but never saw the field in any regular season action, played a little preseason. They had the ownership change uh, from my first year into my, into my second year coaching change from first year into second year, you know, really a, a huge turnover uh, with the whole organization. And I got really a, a, a lesson in how politics work in the NFL uh, during that time. Uh, you know, I saw it how, you know, my second year in Philadelphia, they uh, ended up uh, cutting a quarterback that they drafted in the fourth round to keep me on the roster and learned after the fact that, you know, the coaches really had to stand up on the table and, and fight to, to keep me on the roster. So, you know, the following year when uh, Philly drafted a guy in the second round, uh, I kind of saw the writing on the wall. I knew, you know, that, you know, my spot really wasn't, you know, going to be uh, afforded to me. I really didn't have a shot at, at winning the job no matter what, unless an injury uh, came about. Uh, so I actually asked for my release going into uh, that training camp, you know, and here, here I am a, a third year guy, uh, uh, you know, who was undrafted, never saw the field, but, you know, all I wanted was just a chance to compete. And I knew I wasn't getting that chance uh, in Philly, but, uh, you know, they had my rights. They kept me through uh, training camp and uh, about a week into training camp uh, released me, uh, had a, uh, got picked up by Cincinnati uh, two weeks into their training camp uh, with five guys on the roster. And uh, and then I was out of football for the next two years. So, uh, you know, it was, uh, it, it was a long haul. It was uh, a, a tough process. You know, I made the decision uh, when I got cut uh, in Philly and, and Cincinnati that, you know, I was going to, you know, keep myself in shape, uh, keep myself ready. I went back home. I actually volunteered to uh, coach with the Hofstra football team. Uh, Hofstra University in Long Island and uh, you know it was a great opportunity for me because I was able to go out every day use their facilities uh, train myself use the weight room go out and throw to the receivers every single day so uh, you know for me it was it was awesome to be able to stay in shape I went out to uh, uh, NFL Europe the following year it was actually before uh, it was even called NFL Europe NFL was uh, you know, sent a lot of players, allocated players out there, but it was still the World League of American football uh, at the time. And, you know, played a season in Amsterdam. And it was a, you know, I wouldn't say it was a great season, but uh, gave me experience uh, uh, and kept me focused on the game. Um, you know, came back and spent another year uh, coaching at Hofstra again. And, uh, you know, throughout the whole time I was, calling up teams. I was, you know, we had scouts that were coming out to look at, at uh, the, the, the players we had on the Hofstra team. And, you know, we had a great, uh, great uh, people around that organization. Raheem Morris was, was one of the safeties. Uh, Gio Carmazzi, who was drafted uh, ahead of Tom Brady uh, and uh, with, with the 49ers uh, was on that team. Lance Schulters, who was a safety in the NFL for, uh, eight or nine years uh, was there. So we had plenty of scouts that were coming around. So, you know, I had always kind of, you know, uh, poke my head in and make sure that they knew that I was still working out and still available and, and ready to go. But, 
you know, it wasn't until the following year that I, you know, really just put together a, a last ditch effort uh, to, to get an opportunity to get my shot. Uh, you know, had uh, uh, copied 30 some odd uh, VHS tapes uh, of all my, you know, college highlights, my uh, preseason NFL highlights, my NFL Europe highlights, uh, sent them out to every single team along with, uh, you know, some recommendation letters from, you know, my high school coach, my college coach, my agent, uh, you know, and other people. And I got one response from the Minnesota Vikings and, uh, you know, they brought me in and that was really my foot in the door uh, to get back in the league. And, uh, you know, when it was all uphill from there, uh, uh, you know, getting back in, I uh, uh, went out for a tryout in March of, of 98 and, uh, they signed me right after that uh, 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 that workout. I played the season in 1998 in, in Minnesota. Went down to Jacksonville the following year in '99, and and then you know two years you know two years after getting back into the league, uh, got my opportunity to compete for a starting job in the league. You don't ever have to talk about that Jacksonville 1999 team ever <laughs> ever again. I I. I I really take pride in doing my homework and, and I blew the Amsterdam uh, world football league uh, homework on you. Do you still remember the name of that, that Amsterdam? Amsterdam Admirals. Amsterdam yep. Admirals. I, I got to look for a Jay Fiedler Amsterdam Admirals jersey. I'm going to hit eBay after this interview's over. <laughs> if you, if you can find one of those, tell me, I, I, I might beat you on it. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you because I don't want you to outbid me. <laughs> Love the story, Jay. I have a, a little bit of a continuation to your career path, of course, and it has a little bit to do with that 1999 run. But uh, before that little side tidbit here, it's really fun to have another Queens-born and Long Island-bred person. I love my brothers from the Fin Attic, but I, I need an accent that's similar to mine right now. So this is <laughs> this is great right now. So you know, obviously everyone knows you're the Miami Dolphins starting quarterback. But were there any other teams prior to the Dolphins that were giving you an opportunity, or were there any other contenders there uh, for your services? Uh, you know, there, there were a couple other teams that uh, that showed interest, but Miami was the first uh, first team that I visited. Uh, you know, they showed the most interest uh, in, in offering me a, a chance to compete for a starting job. Uh, um, you know, I knew that, uh, you know, when, when they brought me in that, uh, uh, you know, Dan was retiring and, uh, you know, it was, it was a wide open competition. They didn't have, you know, anyone set in stone there. So, uh, you know, I, I jumped on the opportunity right away, uh, you know, before any other teams really had a chance to, uh, you know, to, to bid in and with that. Before Savak jumps in, how was that relationship with Damon Hewer that, that year when you guys were competing for that, that job to the dubious honor of taking over for Dan Marino, I would say, how, how did that, how was that relationship between the two of you? Well, uh, you know, we, we were great. Uh, you know, uh, we were teammates. So, you know, we, we, we pushed for each other and, uh, uh, you know, wanted each other to do well, uh, you know, but we also knew that uh, that we were competing and, uh, you know, wanted to prove every time we, we got reps in practice that, uh, you know, we deserved more reps, uh, you know, each time that we went out. And, uh, you know, there was no animosity. There was no rooting against, uh, you know, the other guy. But, uh, you know, you want to go out and put your best foot forward and, and prove that you're better than the other guy uh, that, that, that's in the room with you. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Nature of the game, right? And I, I do think it's a little ironic, too, that you, you spend a season in Jacksonville. It's actually where I live now. I feel like I'm constantly doing these, these calls with Northerners. I'm surrounded by them. <laughs> getting the Duval call in the background there. <laughs> Duval. Yeah, we get it a lot. <laughs> But uh, so, Jay, we are huge fans with the Fish Tank. Uh, we collaborate with those guys, love them over there. And we don't want to do the yeah. same interview, of course, that they did. But we would be remiss if we didn't ask, what was the day-to-day -day like following the most decorated Miami athlete in Dolphin history in Dan Marino? I mean, was there ever a point where it was just like enough is enough with the comparisons or frustrating hitting a high point? Yeah, you know, it was, a, it was a little bit like Groundhog Day uh, uh, going through that, especially that first season. And, uh, you know, I think Harvey Green and I used to laugh a lot. And Harvey was was the PR director at the time uh, for the team. So, you know, spent a lot of time with him, uh, the press conferences and, and the Wednesday uh, 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 press chats with the opposing team uh, media. And, you know, that's the, that was the time that it really, you know, became like Groundhog's Day because each week you'd, you know, get a new set of, of, of media personalities from the opposing team that didn't, you know, get the answers that you told, uh, you know, the guys the week before. So, you know, it was always the same questions over and over, just like, just like you asked me, you know, 20 some odd years later, you know, what was it like to, to, to follow Dan Marino? And, uh, you know, do you, do you feel the pressure and do you, you know, and, and, you know, it got to the point where, where Harvey and I would laugh. I say, you know, just hit the hit the tape recorder here, uh, you know, this week, and we're just going to put the tape out, and and I don't even have to show up for these Wednesday uh, sessions. I mean, 20 years later, I mean, they still – the first game of every year, they, they, they do the list, right? They go from Marino to who's starting this year. It's, it's still not. But I remember, I remember when you took over in those first few years, I mean – every single game on CBS, they would just bring up the, the comparisons and the, it just would never end. Um, you would never know it, Jay, but I, I, from, from you and, and Jason here, I'm actually in New York too. I'm in upstate New York and Albany. You would never know it from the accents, but, but I am still here in New York. But um, in, two, in 2000, you helped the Dolphins pull out its, its last playoff victory in franchise history versus Peyton Manning led Colts. Did you get a moment to reflect after that season going from the three or the two years out of the league to the, the playoff winning quarterback? And, and just what did that mean to you have fighting so hard to get that opportunity? Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, you know, it was a great season, uh, you know, just being able to go out there, uh, uh, you know, to, to win the starting job, which, you know, became uh, a, a little, uh, uh, you know, crazy to, to begin with, because I went into that training camp, you know, uh, ahead on the on the depth chart and, and kind of poised to to win the job. And then, uh, you know, I was in surgery uh, right before the uh, the first uh, preseason game, getting my hip uh, scoped out uh, with, with a torn la a labral tear in my hip. So, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, you know, when the doctor told me I could be back on the field in 20 days, you know, I, w I was relieved and uh, you know, did everything I can to, to get back as quick as possible and, and, you know, show myself and be ready to play for that season. And, uh, you know, was able to, 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 to keep that job going into the season. And obviously we had a great, uh, a great year, 11 and five, won the AFC East, uh, 
uh, you know, a lot of people, uh, uh, you know, were counting us out early in the year and, uh, you know, we proved a lot of, a lot of doubters wrong uh, that year and, you know, went on with the playoff game. Uh, I, I didn't have much time to, to reflect after that because, you know, I had a torn, torn shoulder up uh, pretty much for the past five, you know, the last five or six weeks of the season. Uh, you know, I think it was, it was in the Tampa Bay game in, in December that uh, uh, tore my left shoulder up. And, you know, if you look back at a lot of those uh, uh, late games in the season and that playoff game, uh, you know, I was handing off with my right hand both ways. Uh, you know, I couldn't even hand the ball off with my left hand. So, you know, if there was a running back going to my right, I was doing a backwards uh, uh, handoff with my right hand, uh, you know, to, to the running back. Uh, so, you know, pretty much right after that season ended, I was in surgery and rehabbing through uh, through that whole off season to get ready, uh, you know, for, for another year in, in 2001. Now, jumping ahead just a season, uh, as a fan, 2002 – that was a painful year for us. You went seven and three as a starter. Ricky led the league in rushing. Uh, there were five all pros on the team, four of them were on defense, and you injured your finger. So I have to ask, how good do you think that team could have been? How far do you think y'all could have went? Yeah, that, that was probably our best uh, team during the time that I was there. Uh, you know, we had, we had our, our, everything rolling right up until – that Denver Bronco game uh, uh, and, and and through that that Bronco game, I think I think we were six and one or seven and one uh, uh, after after that game. A big, uh, uh, I think it might have been a Sunday night game, but uh, yes, it was. Uh, yeah, it was a Sunday night game, and you know we had that that last uh, second field goal, and I broke my thumb, uh, you know, somewhere in the in early in the fourth quarter, and. Uh, you know, came to the sideline and I, I saw KO, the, the, the trainer, and he's looking at it. And, you know, I was able to just grip a ball just just enough to, to be able to throw it. But, you know, he was feeling it and uh, and my thumb was moving ways that, that had never moved before. So, uh, you know, I knew something was up, but, you know, I, I didn't think anything of it. As long as I could grip a ball and, and throw, I was going to finish that game out. And, uh you know, I was able to grip it enough to get the get it over uh, the linebacker and into Diedrich Ward's hands uh, uh, to set us up for the field goal uh, to win the game, 50-yard field goal by Lindo Mare. And uh, and right after the game, I went to go uh, get the X-rays. And uh, you know, the plane ride home, you know, that uh, that hand started to swell up pretty good. So uh, you know, I knew at that point that uh, you know I was going to need a, some surgery on it and uh, got a screw in that finger and. Uh, you know, we had, we had a rough stretch, uh, you know, during the time that I was out, uh, uh, and, you know, came back and I think, uh, I think I played the last four games of that season. We went two and two and, you know, finished again, uh, you know, 10 and six and, you know, 10 and six, you normally think you, you're making the playoff with that record, but, uh, you know, unfortunately it was one of those years that, uh, you know, just wasn't good enough. We, well, Jay, we, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Jay. We 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 had our listeners uh, at, call in and ask you a question, or gave them the opportunity to call call in and ask you a question. And one of our listeners called in with a question, kind of related to that. If you don't mind, I can play it now. It's just 20 seconds. Hey, this is uh, Brandon calling from Northwest Indiana for Jay Stiefler. I just wanted to see what you think the 2002-2003 Dolphins would do 
in the football landscape today that's more of a pass-happy league. Um, appreciate your time. Thanks for all your time dedicated to the Dolphins. Go Ben. All right. Good question. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, uh, um, you know, we, we were competing against anyone. Uh, you know, I, I don't care. Back in 2002, 2003, today, uh, you know, we, we, had some, we had some competitors in that locker room. And, uh, you know, certainly the game has changed a little bit. Uh, you know, it even changed, you know, throughout the, the, the course of my career from when I first got into the league and, and uh, you know, to, to, to the end. But, uh, you know, today I, I'd love to be playing quarterback today. Uh you know, heck, you, you, you can't get hit. It's like two-hand touch back in the pocket. Uh, you know, you throw the ball high across the middle and uh, and the defense gets a penalty. Uh, you know, it's basically a free free jump ball for your tight end in the middle of the field. You don't have to worry about sending them to the hospital. Uh, you know, it's all good. I, I would have loved it uh, playing right now. That's great stuff, Jay. And, uh, you know, keeping to the 2002 year, you mentioned you had some x-rays. You know, I don't know if you've, <clears throat> excuse me, gone into the archives of this show. We had Ricky Williams on a couple of days ago and uh, mentioned week three, that jet game. I was so excited for that long run. I actually popped a hernia out. That Sunday night I was home from college because the next Monday I was actually getting that hernia fixed up. So <laughs> we, we both had, that's literally a true story, everybody. But another monumental aspect of that year for you, not for me, but this was a celebratory situation, was when you were inducted into the National Jewish Museum Sports Hall of Fame. You know, not many people uh, were an active NFL player to say that. So uh, congratulations there, of course. Thank you. But what did that accomplishment mean to you, uh, especially with, you know, your story getting to that point? Yeah, you know, that, that was fantastic. And, you know, being a, a you know, someone that, uh, you know, young Jewish athletes could look up to and uh, you know, being a Jewish athlete in, in Miami, uh, you know, what better place to, to, to be other, other than the New York market? Uh, you know, you got two, two of the top Jewish uh, populations uh, around, but, uh, you know, it, it, it was fun. Uh, uh, you know, where they, where they hold the, the uh, Jewish Sports Hall of Fame uh, was up in Long Island, uh, you know, where I grew up. And I had actually played uh, in the Maccabi Games, uh, which is the youth, kind of the youth Olympics for, for uh, Jewish athletes. Uh, and we played out of the uh, JCC where the, uh, you know, where the Hall of Fame uh, was being housed. Uh, so I, I, you know, had a lot of history uh, with, you know, the people that run the Hall of Fame and, uh, uh, you know, they were always great with me and, and it was a, an extreme honor for them to, to induct me, uh, you know, alongside some other great uh, names that, uh, that, that, that are in the Hall. Just real quick to piggyback off of that, you know, going back to that game post 9-11, I was up in Buffalo again, you know, as a student from Long Island. There was a good five minutes where every single person was rooting for the New York quarterback on the Miami Dolphins. And it was an emotional time for me. Two weeks after that happened, you know, didn't know when I was going to go home and see family and whatnot. And everyone in that bar, there was one or two Dolphin fans, but everyone was, was rooting for you and, Crossing that goal line was a huge moment as a as a New Yorker, as a Jewish man from New York. It was incredible. That's great. I appreciate that. It's, it, it's weird to hear that there are Dolphin fans up in Buffalo. I don't know how you survived up there. You, I'm here. I'm in Philly. It's a friendly area, <laughs> but I mean, I'm a glutton for punishment. Long Island, Buffalo, bring it on, Jay. <laughs> 
Jay, in 2004, uh, I mean, we had Zach Thomas, Jason Taylor, Madison Sertain, we, just a crazy defense, but we also had Ricky Williams going for four straight 1,000-yard seasons, and that was the offseason that, um, you know, he decided he had to step away from football, which I think we've all kind of come to terms with why he's made that decision now. But at the time, how disheartening was that for you and, and uh, for the 2004 Dolphins? And were you able to speak to him before he decided or before he, he went to Australia that year? Uh, no, not, not immediately before he decided. Uh, you know, that decision kind of took everyone by surprise. Uh, uh, and I think he was, uh, you know, he was out of town before any got, anyone got a chance to, to really speak to him uh, on that. But you know, about uh, about a month before uh, he did make that decision, uh, you know, I talked about you know my football camp uh, up in New York, and he was he was at my camp uh, that that year. Uh, you know, so it was early June. He was in upstate New York with me. Uh, I think it was a, a junior and a junior Seau and Ricky. Uh, you know, that was a banner year for the campers. Uh, uh, in that football camp, they had some superstars, uh, you know, in that, in that lineup. Robert Smith, who was a good buddy of mine uh, uh, from the Minnesota Vikings, teammate of, uh, of mine there. Uh, you know, Robert was at the camp as well, and he's come to my camp uh, a number of years. Uh, you know, and this was, you know, shortly after he made the decision to retire early. And I know that Ricky and, and Robert, uh, you know, had some discussions. Uh, you know, I wasn't, you know, necessarily present, uh, you know, for all of that, but uh, you know, uh, I, I know that, you know, the questions did come up, uh, you know, from Ricky interested in, in why Robert made his decision. So, you know, it wasn't a, a total shock, a total surprise, but, uh, you know, certainly the way it happened, uh, you know, really uh, took everyone back a little bit and, uh, uh, you know, but hey, everyone's got to make their decisions, uh, you know, what's best in their life. And, uh you know, whether he makes a decision to leave or, you know, whether a team has to deal with, uh, you know, someone getting injured and being out for a season, you know, you got to move on and uh, uh, and go forward without, uh, you know, whoever uh, is not there anymore. You got to play with the 53 that you got. He, he did say that too when he was on. He was like, I pretty much instantly went to Australia and really didn't have to talk to anyone afterwards. So that was well played on his part, he said. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly was. <laughs> so, Jay, be it another quarterback, uh, a coach, or just a fellow player, who would you say had the most positive impact on your career as a quarterback? Uh, you know, I would say there were two guys, uh, you know, that were instrumental in, in, in my development, uh, you know, as a QB. I think first one was, you know, my second year in Philadelphia uh, when a young uh, offensive coordinator, first coordinator job came in. Uh, you know, he was actually younger than our starting quarterback. I think he was 30 years old. Randall Cunningham was 32. Uh, and that was John Gruden. And, uh, you know, going through, you know, that uh, that, that year, you know, and just learning the offensive football. And, uh, you know, he brought that West coast system, uh, you know, that he, uh, you know, had, had learned under Bill Walsh and, and, in San Francisco and, and then on the Mike Holmgren, uh, in, in green Bay. And, uh, you know, everyone knows John Gruden now, obviously, but, uh, you know, he was just, he was just a young up and comer with, uh, you know, with a lot of attitude that was coming in, uh, in Philadelphia, but, you know, just, 
going through film work with him, uh, you know, learning the offense, learning how to how to dissect the defenses, um, you know, learning how plays get developed. Uh, you know, it was it was like getting a PhD in football uh, in, in that one season. You know, from where I was, you know, a year out of college, uh, um, you know, m- moving forward. So, so that was a huge part of my development. Uh, you know, just uh, in in knowledge of the game and and learning the game well. And then, uh, you know, and then the year in Jacksonville, uh, playing with Tom Coughlin. Uh, you know, he was really the first head coach. Uh, you know that that I dealt with that. You know, didn't care where you came from, didn't care who you were, uh, where you were drafted, how much money you made. You know, if, if you were the best guy on the field, you you know, best guy, you know, you were getting the job, uh, no politics, uh, uh, you know, were being played. And and when, you know, your name was called, he expected you to perform. And, uh, you know, he didn't, uh, you know, he didn't care if you were, you know, the backup, the third string. If if you had to go into the game, the, 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 the system, the plays, the play calling wasn't getting changed. You know, we were doing what we were doing and, and you better step up your game and, and be ready to go. And, uh, uh, you know, just having that, uh, you know, kind of coach behind you uh, and, and learning how to prepare for games, you know, the way he did, uh, uh, you know, certainly, uh, you know, one of the best coaches that I've been around uh, uh, throughout my career. So, you know, those two guys probably had the most impact, uh, you know, on me, you know, in my development. And then, you know, being around a couple of great uh, coaches in Miami as well with uh, Chan Gailey and North Turner is, uh, you know, two offensive coordinators that I dealt with. Uh, you know, I, I had some pretty good minds to, to, to learn from throughout my career and, uh, you know, some great people, uh, uh, you know, to, to develop my game with. Jay, we've been very fortunate to, uh, you know, obviously we're, we're speaking to you. We're, we've interviewed a number of guys from your team, in, from your era. Uh, we're having Jamie Nails tomorrow. We've had Chris Chambers, you know, Ricky Williams, you know. Other than those guys, maybe I've mentioned one. But uh, is there a guy who has a special place in your heart, whether it's just, you know, work ethic or a story or just anything fun to be around? Any quick little tidbits for us? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, probably the one guy uh... – uh, you know, from Miami that, that you know, had a, a tremendous impact and unfortunately not around with us anymore was Junior Seau. Uh, you know, he was, you know, a guy that, uh, uh, you know, you're astounded with every time you saw him, uh, you know, in practice, in a game situation. Uh, you know, he had the energy that, uh, you know, w- w- was on, you know, volume 12, uh, you know, when everyone else was playing on volume 10. Uh, you know, he was, he was just a, a fun guy to be around in the locker room. He was always positive with everything, uh, he was doing, uh, and, and what a tremendous player he was, uh, and, and tremendous competitor. Uh, you know, it was fun having him as a teammate and, uh, uh, you know, certainly a guy that, uh, that missed it, that I missed to this day. We just have a few more questions and we're going to jump into the, the current team in a second here, but. Um, this year, since, uh, you know, obviously Coach Shula passed this year and every every player and media member that, you know, has has got to spend time with Coach Shula, we like to ask this question on kind of maybe at the end of the year, we'll make a, a montage of it. Um, but, um, you know, <clears throat> that do you have any I know you didn't play for him, but he was obviously around the team a lot back then do you have any stories or memories about coach 
that you know epitomize him or celebrate his life or anything that really stands out to you about Coach Shula? Uh, you know, no, no particular story about him. Uh, you know, I didn't get to spend you know a, a whole lot of time with him, but you know, I did get some limited time uh, you know to be around him and uh, you know spent a lot more time with his son Mike, uh, who, who was quarterback coach. Uh, uh, for those first couple of years uh, in, in Miami, but uh, you know it was it, it was great uh, that you know when when Dave took over uh, as a, as the head coach, uh, you know he kind of made it a point to uh, you know to to make the alumni make the history of of Miami uh, a, a focal point uh, again. And I know you know there were a few years uh, with Jimmy, uh, you know obviously coming in and replacing uh, uh, Shula. You know, he kind of had a, uh, you know, uh, not that not that he wasn't welcome, but uh, you know, word was it that you know there was a little tension, uh, you know, with, with having Coach Shula around during those times, and and Dave really made it a point when he took over uh, to really welcome him back, and and uh, you know, I remember him coming out and visiting practice. Uh, you know, he would always he was always making an appearance every training camp, uh, you know, at least for a day to come out and and watch the team and. Yeah, he was just such a gracious, uh, 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 tremendous, you know, man to be around. Uh, you know, obviously a legend in in Miami and and in the NFL. And you know, I'm a big historian of NFL football. So you know, being around guys like that, that uh, you know, that that built the game, that built the NFL, and and our uh, you know, busts in the Hall of Fame uh, for a reason. Uh, you know, he was just a, a a great person to be around, and and uh, to converse with and, and learn, you know, from, uh, you know, just how to, uh, you know, how to be competitive, but how to still be, uh, uh, you know, have great character, uh, in everything that you do. Like that. That's nice to hear. So I guess shifting our focus back towards the present day a little bit. Well, you mentioned Chan Gailey a little bit ago, you played, two years under under him though are you shocked with the pass to run ratio this season how he's been coordinating this offense not really you know I, look Chan Chan's always had uh, uh, you know reputation of being adaptable to you know uh, even from a week-to-week basis or, or you know year-to-year basis based on uh, you know, what he's got to work with and, and what the matchups look like, uh, you know, so, you know, we, we go in with, you know, a lot of different game plans, uh, you know, every year, uh, you know, he came from the Philadelphia, not, not Philadelphia, from Pittsburgh, uh, you know, prior to coming down to Miami and, you know, had the Cordell Stewart uh, years uh, with slash, uh, you know, that, that he was doing all kinds of different, you know, uh, you know, at the time, very innovative, uh, you know, things on offense. So, uh, you know, things that, that would probably be normal today, uh, utilizing, you know, the athletic quarterbacks, uh, you know, so he was able to, to, to play to my strengths, uh, you know, when, when, uh, uh, when he was coaching me, getting me out of, out of the pocket on the move, uh, uh, you know, utilizing, you know, my ability to, uh, you know, both throw from the pocket and, and run out of the pocket, uh, uh, in, in those games. And, you know, and he's also just a great uh, coordinator and, you know, setting up the run game, uh, you know, for, for running backs to be successful and, and creating blocking schemes and, and uh, uh, formations to get your guys in, in, in the best matchups, 
uh, you know, in, in run schemes. So, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's no surprise that, you know, again, he's adaptable and, uh, uh, you know, doing, uh, you know, whatever it takes to, to, to find those matchups uh, week in and week out. Very cool. I think you kind of answered the follow-up question, which was going to be, you know, what, what, he, what does he do well to help young quarterbacks adjust fast? Uh, if there's anything more, I mean – well, look, I think the biggest thing is is he, he makes you comfortable in, in what you're going to be, uh, you know, doing uh, each week. You know, it's, it's, he doesn't run a system where, uh, you know, you have to, you know, adapt your game totally to, to what he's doing. You know, he, he adapts, you know, his offense a little bit. And, and it's a, you know, give and take uh, relationship with the quarterback of, you uh, you know, trying to expand what, uh, what the QB can do and also, uh, you know, play to the strengths of what they, uh, you know, what they do best. There's a bit of me, though, that wants, wants me to see him turn Jordan Howard back into Lamar Smith. I think those two guys look exactly alike. Yep. I would love to see him get a, a renaissance going with that. We haven't seen it yet, but there's still a lot of, a lot of, a lot of season left. Um, I just lost my my cards here. If the next guy go up, my question just went away. That's all right. A lot of football left to be played this season. But what he was going to go into was, have you gotten the chance? Have you seen a lot of Tua? And what are your thoughts and expectations for him? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I saw a, a decent amount of him in Alabama. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, uh, you know, tremendous competitor, uh, you know, what he did, uh, you know, coming in that first uh, uh, championship game. Uh, you know, I don't know if that was his freshman year or, or uh, I think it was his freshman year. Yeah. Uh, that he came in at halftime, uh, you know, replaced Jalen Hurts. And, uh, you know, there was a big uh, controversy coming out of that second half that uh, that Saban put him in. But uh, he obviously knew something, uh, you know, about uh, the competitiveness uh, that, that, uh, that he had. And, uh, you know, he, he lit it up that game and then, and then continued, you know, throughout the following season, uh, you know, so you know that he could go out there and, and, and light it up. Uh, you know, obviously the biggest, you know, question mark coming out was, was his injury history. And, you know, that's something that you can't, can't really account for, uh, uh, you know, right now, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching him play. I'm looking forward to, to seeing him develop. And, uh, you know, I know Chan Gailey, uh, you know, certainly I'm sure he's got a, a nice package uh, ready for him when uh, uh, when he's ready to go out and, and when Coach Flores pulls the trigger. Very good to hear, Jay. We're all very much looking forward to that. And, uh, you know, I got a little bit of a hardball question for you right now, and you have to excuse me, but uh, as someone who was a veteran upstate New York overnight, former group leader for a, a competing camp, uh, I'd like to know if you know of any camp, particularly within 15 minutes of Monticello, that might offer a sports broadcasting program since I have to find a camp to get my kids to one of these summers. Well, that's right. that's exactly what we do. Uh, amazing. Yeah. Um, no, we, really? actually, we actually do, yes. Uh, you know, so we, uh, uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast that, uh, you know, we kind of created a little bit of a niche in, in what we do uh you know at the uh at the sports academy in brooklyn camps and and one of the first programs that uh you know uh 
uh, I decided to, to, to highlight and, and develop was the sports broadcasting uh, program. It was through, you know, my relationships with, uh, you know, guys like Steve Levy and Adam Schefter and, you know, uh, being a, being a, 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 actually they were Belmore JFK, you're Plainview JFK, but uh, uh, yeah, it's all right. Some good Long lie. Island guys that, uh, that got into the sports broadcasting business, uh, uh, and I've had great relationships with them. So we bring up some, some tremendous uh, uh, guys year in and year out. Uh, we had Mike Breen up there this, uh, not this past summer, obviously uh, COVID uh, uh, put us, put us down for this year, but uh, in, in 2019, Mike Breen uh, uh, made an appearance. We have Kenny Albert comes up uh, year in and year out. Uh, Steve Levy, Adam Schefter have all been up uh you know, with our sports broadcasting program. And uh, we just built a couple of years ago uh, a nice big 5,000 square foot studio uh, to house the program in. And, uh, uh, you know, now that you're, you know, knowing that you guys are, are up in the Northeast, we're going to have to get you up to, to, to make a surprise visit as well. Anytime, I would be honored. Bring the kids, they'll check out the grounds, right? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Savak, <laughs> thank you so much for stepping up there. Uh, Jay, I'm the IT guy here. I'm handling like all the ones and twos and to have, have the computer die on me, uh, that was a bit embarrassing though. I'm sure they'll let me hear about that for, for weeks <laughs> to come, but uh, a locker we'll, we'll finish, ribbon after this. Yeah, exactly. We'll finish it up with this question. We do it with all of our guests. It's a two-parter. Uh, before we let you go, we need two predictions from you. One, what week do you think we will see Tua make his debut? Oof. You know, that, that's a good question. I think, uh, you know, a lot of people were expecting this week was uh, was going to be a possibility. And, uh, you know, I think Flores just came out uh, a couple of days ago and and said that that, that Fitzy was going to be back. But, you know, I, I, I would say probably in about week seven or eight, um, you know, is around the time, but you know, you got to see how it plays out. Uh, you know, Fitzy's got a, uh, you know, certainly got a, uh, an ability to go on a roll and, uh, you know, he's, he's a streaky quarterback and he could get hot. And, uh, uh, you know, if you start talking about Tua, you know, coming in, that's the time that he's usually going to get hot when, uh, you know, when, when you, when you start to doubt him. So, uh, you know, my, my prediction, if I had to say a week, I'll say week eight, but, uh, you know, don't, definitely don't uh, count 14 out. I got to say, too, there's a, there's a little bit of you and Fitzy and a little bit of Fitzy and you, just that, that heart, that, that ability to yeah, make that. two pretty Ivy League guys. Yeah, exactly. Just, you know, and just all heart and just throw it all on the line there. It's usually a running play that would just turn a game around. And, you know, I, I see him running sometimes, and I'm just like, that's Jay Fiedler. It's just crazy. Uh, so the last prediction. I, I loved it a couple of weeks ago when he got that block in. Uh, oh, uh, man, yeah. Yes. Yep, to, you know, throwing his shoulder in there. You, you did know, that. Great you did that, Ricky I, I loved watching that stuff. Yeah, that, that block you threw for Ricky was just, it went viral on Twitter about two weeks ago. <laughs> yep. But uh, the, the last prediction is, what do you think the, uh, what, what would be your record prediction for the 2020 Miami Dolphins? Uh, well, look, I think they got, some, you know, so they got through a pretty tough stretch in the schedule, uh, you know, first four weeks with, uh, uh, you know, Seattle, uh, you know, on a couple, you know, the, the two of their, uh, 
AFC East rivals, uh, you know, Bills and, and, and Pats are always, uh, you know, uh, a tough game. Um, you know, this week, uh, you know, 49ers uh, were supposed to be a tough game, uh, you know, but with all their injury situation, who knows, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, w- with that. But, uh, you know, I, I would say, I mean, what are they, one and three right now? Uh, you know, I'll, I'll give them a seven and nine, uh, by, by the end of the season. Maybe one more year in, in that last playoff victory that you got will, will be no more. We'll, we'll get a playoff victory next year. Well, let's hope so. Let's hope, let's hope I'm wrong. Let's hope I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, you know, uh, underselling them a little bit. So, uh, you know, heck, I, I'd love to see them make a run and, uh, and, and get back to the playoffs and, and get that victory, uh, you know, long overdue. I like that though, taking the safe bet. Well, just in case, let's say <laughs> seven and nine. <laughs> Jay, thank it. you so much for your time. That was so enjoyable, almost enjoyable as watching you play. Um, and as we as we end with all of our our post or past dolphins, we got to go out with the uh, the old fins up. <laughs> fins, fins up. Fins up. Thanks, all right. Jay. Great. Yeah, have a great night, guys. Here. Thanks. And. Thank you again to Jay Fiedler. What an honor. But before we get into our reflections on that, we got to take a moment to pay the bills. So, Brian, hit him with the ad, please. Right at this moment, there are men everywhere doing manly things. Beards unkempt, hair run amok, leaving them in a state of hair despair. And that's just what we can see. Never mind what's going on downstairs. But it doesn't have to be that way. Thanks to our friends at Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com and enter our promo code FINSUP to save an instant 20%, get free shipping, and help quell the hair despair in your life. These bearded bros are counting on you. Won't you help them? Oh, that's always fun. <laughs> it never gets old to me. So I got to tell you guys, uh, I I did sterilize the the what is that? the lawnmower 3.0, and I shaved my face with it today. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the the press conference earlier today. Mike Kosicki was told by Ryan Fitzpatrick that he had to grow the goatee after his career. Uh, eight catches, 100 and some odd yards, and then they won the following game, and he got a touchdown, so Fitzpatrick wouldn't let him shave. Well, they lost last week. He only It was the second week in a row with his only only one reception, so, uh, you know, I had to do the same thing. I went and I shaved shaved the beard with the, the hedge, the hedge trachomer 3.0, and uh, I actually brought it to the office, but I wasn't sure – that I got it all perfect, so I brought it to the office just to just to make sure that everything was was kept. And man, there is no there is no trimmer on the market like the Manscaped uh, 3.0. Well, I think I said head trimmer, but it's a lawnmower 3.0. Such a great product. And also, you know, every time we interview Miami Dolphins, I get it a little hot. I get a little for and uh, I always have to do a double dip of that that ball deodorant. Make sure I just stay fresh throughout the entire interview, and it never fails. Mm-hmm. So you got, if you got to be careful about getting all hot and bothered, you know. I know that yeah. 
these, these guests, they elicit such emotions. <laughs> it's hard not to, but I couldn't agree more. Gotta love that trimmer. Used mine a little bit earlier today. Of course, had to clean it all up. Uh, that thing is fantastic. That LED light lets you see what you're doing. I mean, you can shave in the dark if you really want to. I probably wouldn't recommend it, but you can knock, your, knock yourself out, please. <laughs> but go there, manscaped.com, promo code FINSUP, save, save your 20%, get free shipping, and let us know how it works for you. Okay. So anyways, let's get on to the reflections, fellas. How about that interview? How about Jay frickin' Fiedler, guys? Jason, tell me, man, what, what's going through your mind right now? I'm actually just really getting sent back to the time where I literally had hernia surgery and our last guest was Ricky. It all comes together. It's like the Ricky run to pop my hernia out, Bronco overtime game, Jay Fiedler hurts his finger, I get my second hernia surgery. A week later, I fly back to Buffalo and... Uh, start the 2002 decline but you know what can i tell you but jay's terrific he really is a, it was a fun fun interview he really is you know uh you know a fun guy just to hear literally here i love the new york and the queen's accent it's just such a welcoming knowing that i'm not around my brethren anymore it, uh, up in long island or the city but anyway uh fantastic guy fantastic gritty competitor it was really a pleasure and uh hey you uh, know sports broadcasting camp are you, are you kidding me i got a nine and a five-year-old you know but my wife and i are looking to maybe hopefully next summer get a little bit of uh six seven weeks off i don't know camp camp brooklyn camps might have to check it out absolutely like the camp sounds kind of awesome i hope he was so serious about having us up there because i'd love to make an appearance brian what are your thoughts yeah, that, I mean, that was surreal. Uh, when, G, when Jay took over quarterback for the Dolphins, I actually, you know, I'm, I'm from upstate New York. And uh, this was, you know, before DirecTV. So it was like, you know, occasionally I'd get to see three or four Dolphins games a year. Well, when Jay took over, I moved down to Florida and I literally saw every game that man started his entire Dolphins career, um, you know, seeing that that Sports Illustrated in the background, that that 9-11 victory, it just all heart him. You know, like, if he doesn't make that touchdown, there was no next play. The, the time was, was done. There was no timeouts. Um, it, was, it was just an amazing play. The, the Bronco game, I love that. I was telling Savak beforehand, uh, you know, during that Bronco game, I was recording and I was driving, I was flying back from uh, Florida or from New York and I flew into Florida. The game was still on. It was on in every, every TV in the airport. And it was 2002, so it wasn't that long after 9-11. So the game's playing. I know I'm recording it. I don't want to know the score. So not thinking that it was just 9-11, I put my fingers in my ear, and I start screaming, and I just run out of the airport. I mean, I was so <laughs> lucky that I wasn't tackled. Um, but I didn't get to, I didn't find out the score. Um, but you know, speaking of Jay was an unreal. It brought me back to so many great memories. I have special, I have such a special place in my heart for that team with, uh, Ricky Williams, Chris. I mean, we've been so lucky to have these guys on. It's like, it's like, we're almost like doing one team base at a time, but you know, we had Chris Chambers, Ricky Williams, Jay Fiedler, 
Uh, we are having Jamie Nails on tomorrow. We got to move over to the defensive side of the ball. That defense is is my my favorite defense of all time with Zach Thomas, Jason Taylor, Sam Madison, Patrick Sertain, Tim Bowens, uh, Daryl the the unheralded Daryl Gardner. Um, it, it's just it, it was great to talking to him, and I, I really do you know that when now that I brought it up in the show, the the Ryan Fitzpatrick comparison is just so real. It's uh, you know there it, it's it's true kind of on both parts there's you know that fits magic part and there's that fits tragic part there's some of the games jay feather just put us on his back like in that raiders game and there was a couple games there too where you know he turned a little tragic had a couple interceptions like the colts playoffs win he had three interceptions in the first half but he gutted out the victory um but you know just they didn't have that that tua you know talent they didn't have that pedigree but you know, that Ivy League smarts, that Ivy League heart, and they just were unstoppable. And it was it was fun to watch. It was such a good time to talk to. Um, but literally, sometimes I see Fitzpatrick go on a on a 10-yard run where everyone should be able to catch him and tackle him. But he just knows the play better than everybody. He gets free for 10 yards, gets that first down, gets the emotion going, gets the fans going. And, uh, you know, it just reminds me of Fiedler. And, uh, you know, what a great interview. What another fun night spent with my friends at the Fanatic speaking to, you know, you know, childhood heroes, basically. So mm -hmm. hey, that, that, that kind of goes double for me because I you have to figure around that time I was about eight to 10 years old. You know, this is when I really first started watching. He was the starter. And yeah. so it, it's surreal is the right word for it. You kind of nailed it with that one. And I think it's kind of moving anytime you get to actually have a conversation with somebody that you controlled it played as in a video game, you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just like I told Chris Chambers when we were talking to him, that's the quarterback who was, you know, I was throwing those dimes dimes with was Jay Fiedler. So very, very surreal. It's awesome. He's such a, a nice guy and he, you know, just wow. And I got to say, I do love everything that he was talking about with his camps. I, I think that's pretty cool. You know, as soon as you finish up, you just take the time to dedicate your efforts towards helping children and stuff. And I think that's fantastic. Family run business. I was perusing the website a little bit, you know, <laughs> wanted to do my homework on it. And looks like they're doing some really cool stuff up there. So thank you again, Jay Fiedler. Hope to chat again soon. <laughs> and we're going to for you. Uh... Oh, go ahead, Jason. No, we're going to, I mean, I'm sure between Brian, myself, and Yusuvak, we're going to take them up on that invite because I'll tell you, uh, I know that area well. I know the sleepaway camp business well. And if, for people who don't know it, definitely jump on his website. It doesn't even do it justice. It literally is some of the coolest facilities that you could ever step foot on. And I'm sure if we get an opportunity and a chance, uh, you guys will understand what I'm talking about. But uh, for me, to hear the stories for, you know, a guy who is a New Yorker, an underdog, surreal is a perfect word. What a, what a, one an hour. And, and so we have Jamie Nails on tomorrow from, from that area. Uh, we probably got to bring on Aronde Gadsden, maybe Randy McMichael. And then, so if you guys are listening, please let's, let's book you up. Let's get you on the show. And then we got to move over to that defense. So Sam Madison, Pat Sertan, Zach Thomas, uh, we're, we are doing everything we possibly can to get Jason Taylor, um, 
on the show. I, I know you guys have seen all the giveaways we're doing with the Jason Taylor Foundation. So hopefully we'll, after Randy McMichael, we'll transition over to the defense and then maybe we'll move on to like the Wildcat team or get Ronnie Brown on here. We'll move on to the And next. if anybody from the 72 team, you know, the perfect team is listening, <laughs> we'll welcome you on. Zonk, you know, Mercury, we'll make some schedule adjustments for you all. Please, there is room for anybody. If you donned these colors, you are welcome on this show. So, I mean, let's make it happen, please. <laughs> let's put it all out there in the universe. Duper and Clayton, I'm talking to you too. I need you on this show really bad. So, we'll, you know, we'll definitely listen. Well, you know, we'll let you guys come on. You know, we'll, we'll do the honor. The door is always come on open. The fanatics. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> why don't you wrap us up and get us out of here with some housekeeping oh you don't you guys don't want to keep hanging out all right <laughs> fine let's jump let's jump into it make sure you subscribe to the fanatics miami dolphins podcast wherever podcasts are available you guys know where to find them apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify i'm sure there's some other ones out there i'm forgetting but you know those are the big guys we do what we do for all of you so get on there and leave us a nice review make sure to follow us uh, the Fin Addicts Network on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Fin Addicts Network. And of course, follow us on Twitter at Fin underscore Addicts. And you just got JT Foundation on here. Can you elaborate, Brian? Yes. So we have such an amazing thing going on right now at the JT Foundation. On October 21st, the All In uh, for Literacy Poker Tournament is going on. I have bought uh, five tickets. So four of us, right, four of us for the fanatics, and Jason already has his his ticket. So we have an extra ticket to go on to this this poker tournament. And what Seth Levitt over at the JT Foundation has done for us is he's going to do a little side bet. The winner of the fanatics uh, poker, whoever is the best finish of all that, plus the the free one that we're giving away is going to get a Jason Taylor signed 2017 Hall of Fame mini helmet. All you have to do to get in this poker tournament, subscribe to our YouTube, DM us a screenshot that you subscribed, or email it to us at info at Fanatics Network. If any of I, what I just said didn't make sense to you, just email us at fin, info at fanaticsnetwork.com or you know, go to Finn underscore addicts on Twitter and be like, Brian, how do I get in that poker tournament? You do not want to miss this. A signed Jason Taylor Hall of Fame mini helmet. It's just too good to miss up. Not to mention the poker tournament is amazing. You get to play poker with Jason Taylor, Joy Taylor, OJ McDuffie, you know, former Dolphins, Jason Sarney, Savak, myself, just, just a, a who's who of of Miami sports sports personality so get in on that you don't want to miss it any questions info at fanaticsnetwork.com and like I said uh you know by the time this is up tomorrow we'll be shooting another podcast or our week four week four week five preview with the San Francisco 49ers Jamie Nails is going to join us for the first 15 minutes he'll give us his breakdown on that whole line so you don't want to miss that. Gentlemen, another great, great night. Fins up, baby. Fins up. Fins up. up.
It's time for the Fanatics Miami Dolphins podcast on the Fanatics Network. 